0: This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and for the first time in a long time, I am actually going solo, and I am sitting here with a number of coaches, but also a number of Eat Perform members, and we're going to run through a few topics. There was a great topic uh, that I was going to talk about, and I totally forgot it, but uh, we do have a theme that we're gonna go with and so uh, I'll probably just jump right into that as people start to write down questions but we had a great thing come up and obviously if you're a need to form member or you 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 know watch the page you know the articles things of that nature a big emphasis is on just kind of, you know, it sounds sort of hokey, but it really is true that, you know, you need to start from a place of caring for yourself and, uh, you know, the idea of kind of hating yourself lean. You know, we've kind of covered that in depth lately, but uh, mostly you're better off being from a place of love. But what the, the person mentioned, and I thought it was brilliant, actually, Um, that they had this question was what if you kind of already are in that place and you want to see a specific result? And I have to say, one of the things about my approach that wasn't particularly enlightened early on was this idea of getting to a specific goal and then you know what to do after that and just for people that don't know at one point I got down I went from 230 got down to 149 and uh, a half which was kind of small and uh, you know it was great for pull-ups and stuff it's kind of funny though because even though I could do a fair amount of pull-ups at that time, I can actually do more pull-ups now at roughly 180 pounds. And so uh, that, that's sort of interesting and sort of shows the power of, you know, building muscle over time. In that process of, of going down to 149, you know, it was sort of a new time for lifting for me. And so I was able to actually kind of hit the nirvana of, you know, gaining muscle while losing fat, was eating a lot of calories. Uh, you know, I've talked about it in the past, but for people that don't know, um, you know, there was about a period where, you know, I was sitting at like 155 pounds for a while, And then I went down to about 2,000 calories. But previous to that, I was eating 3,000 calories for about two weeks. Um, And previous to that, I was eating about 3,000 calories. And when I first started lifting weights, I was eating about 4,000 calories. Um, All of which seems really odd to people that are thinking, gosh, you know, don't you have to, you know, eat a lot less to lose weight? or lose fat and you know it's only part of the equation and can you be at a deficit right at a high volume way of doing things it was kinda of interesting I was uh, I actually had one of my very first trainers um, that I met about 10 years ago and he was training my wife and I in our basement and he reached out to me and he's like, yeah, you know, I was listening to this podcast and, uh, you know, this guy was really talking about some really cool stuff. And then I figured out who it was. And I thought that that was that was kind of nice. And one of the things that I've sort of realized with Heat to Perform is that we we don't always have everyone's attention nonstop, you know. Like this idea that people are going to, you know, join Eat to Perform and like stay with us forever. It's, it's, it's kind of a nice theory and, and I hope people feel comfortable where we are. But there is a point where I kind of want people to move on, right? I want people to get it and I want them to graduate. and And, and, and that certainly was a bit of my experience. And so, you know, I, 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 like I said, I was pretty pretty small at 149. It was fairly obvious at that point, uh, especially being how long I sat at 155 so easily, right? I mean, I barely had to do anything. You know, I was eating 3,000 calories. I was comfortable. And then, you know, basically for two weeks, um... Ate much less than I normally was eating, and, and and was sort of uncomfortable, and knew that that wasn't really going to be kind of a long term th- thing. Um, you know, looking back, basically, I think I was really at a low set point number, and if I had kind of given into those voices in my head, you know, who knows what it would have been. But I, but I did listen. I was really focused on performance at that point. Performance at that point, though, was really CrossFit-based. And certainly with CrossFit, there are some advantages to being um, a bit lower in weight. But also you have to have kind of this basic level of strength that I just didn't have at that point. And quickly... After coming out of this this cycle, and I remember, I mean, I you know, it's funny because I remember I remember dates and numbers really well, um, and it was right around like December twenty first, and what's funny about it is is that Eat Perform. I'm trying to make sure that I, I'm remembering this correctly, but I I don't I don't think. Don't think I have it wrong here, but Eat Perform kind of started a couple months after that. Now, I was already, you know, mu- you know big time into science, big time into research. And, and, and for two years, ultimately, I um, was able to lose roughly 80 pounds eating a lot of food. So, you know, this was sort of the evolution of an idea. And, you know, I'd started working with clients locally through a couple gyms. And at that time, paleo was kind of a big thing. So there was a bunch of gyms doing paleo. And what I would do is I'd work with a couple of the clients. And in that process, you know, I'd set up, you know, some of their challenges and we'd body fat test at the University of Minnesota, which I had a good relationship with. A lot of them didn't know how to do that. So it was kind of a win-win scenario. And so I remember, it, it's kind of funny because I think people are, really think that we're super against paleo. Um, when you know, I've written a lot of articles on paleo, uh, but we did a I did a paleo challenge with my gym as kind of support of the the other members. And I I didn't think it was that big of a deal, um, but my goal at that point was really to gain muscle and uh even though i was able to keep carbohydrates in it wasn't really enough carbohydrates and the net was actually a a slight gain in fat now at at this point you know i'm like you know nine percent body fat so uh and and i i'm currently not at nine percent body fat i'm currently at roughly 15 to 17. And so that's, you know, part of the reason why I'm I'm performance focused fat lossing, but also, you know, kind of going with the theme. So I come out of this, you know, paleo challenge, which wasn't particularly enlightening. It was only 30 days. We were partnered up and my partner actually lost 20 pounds in 30 days, which, you know, in retrospect, um, and I was saying to him at the time, I was like, dude, you know, don't do it. You know, you're going to get it all back. And, you know, he he did. Um, I was able to stay at roughly 155. And then soon after that, you know, I, I went up to 165 and probably stayed at 165 for two years before I ultimately decided that it, I wanted to actively work on putting on muscle, and I have been able to do that. Roughly about ten to fifteen pounds of muscle, depending on you know where I am in that weight. Right now, I'm probably more on the fifteen side at one hundred and eighty pounds. Um, but what I think the question is asking. It sort of evolves, right? I think there's a lot of people that find that once they start doing Need to Perform, they become comfortable with who they are. And so they're able to kind of slow things down. I mean, a big part of our message is that if you can do it from a place of caring, you'll be more patient. And you'll seek more information and you'll seek more understanding. And as you do that, you'll be able to come up with a solution. But what I think the question really is, is is it okay to be uncomfortable? Is it okay to, you know, even though it's kind of a bad word and, you know, I'm currently, uh, you know, writing a book called Killing the Diet Industry, but but you know, having a deficit or eating in a way that is less than normal. And we've never really shied away from that. It's, I think it's sort of interesting that that you know I think it's kind of convenient for certain folks to look at the parts of eat to perform that they enjoy and then sort of ignore the parts that are also kind of keeping you accountable and, and trying to get a specific result. And for the longest time, you know, the way that we were able to get people results, um, was much slower, I would say, and, and gradual. And it was, it was great. You know, a lot of people like that. Um, but there was a number of people that were like, Hey, what if I want to get to a deficit or see a specific result, you know, kind of similar to the theme, similar to the question, right? I'm happy with myself, but realistically, I'd like to get to 20%. Okay, cool. You know, talking in the case of a female or maybe a male and, you know, 10% in that scenario. So I'll I'll kind of relate it to my specific situation because, you know, one of the things I sort of emphasized in our social group at at one point was that you don't need abs in Minnesota in January, right? You're not taking your shirt off. You're not, you know, um, going to be on a beach anywhere uh, unless, of course, you, you leave here because everybody seems to leave here in like January or February to go somewhere warm. Um, and at at that point, you know, abs might not be the goal, but typically, you know, there is always a level of fitness, you know, we're not certainly going to advise anyone to gain, you know, 20, 30 pounds in seeking whatever their goal might be, right? Unless of course that is, you know, their goal, you know, there are people, I mean, Taylor Jackson would be a great example, somebody that came in at 160, now I think, he, you know, his lean mass is like 178. Um, and so there are instances, I would say for females, though, you know, that's typically not a goal. So there were two, two things that, that sort of happened at that point. And we were able to get a lot of people results. It's sort of funny because, I mean, there's there's so many things coming up now where our message has evolved. I wasn't huge into tracking and I wanted to kind of you know help people without the tracking element. Now I, I tracked a bit um in my process, like I mentioned, um, you know, two weeks going into the end of of you know what is was kind of the final pieces of you know the result I was looking for at that time which I thought you know like 150 was the Holy Grail The funniest part about that story though is that there are no rainbows there. there's no unicorns there's no gold pot at the end of the trail and I, I think that that's probably something that that most people need to realize. I mean I did have kind of a, you know, great relationship with myself. I mean, I've said this many times before that, you know, the the fact that I cared for myself was the thing that allowed me to keep looking. And I think that that's something that I think matters for a lot of people. And so now all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and in my situation, I was sort of blindly, you know, okay, I've got to get to single digits, you know, and... I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't think it mattered. You know, I mean, I was obviously working with clients. You know, not huge physical physical fitness guy, but you know, I was able to do research for people, and I was able to kind of help them with habits and and things of that nature, and was help able to see help them see results there was a very small amount of people the cost was extreme and you know as I started you know blogging and 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 doing that side of things there was no pretense to what the end game would be it was just people need to know this information and you know a lot of it came from a lot of those challenges that I was doing because a lot of people were doing paleo and they weren't seeing a specific result. And then when I would say to them, if you aren't seeing a specific result, like why aren't you tracking at this point? You know, and you know, even though you're not tracking, I was able to kind of get to a goal that, you know, I ultimately was looking towards when ever i've struggled with kind of figuring out certain components i've always defaulted to tracking i've always defaulted to more data and i think that that's kind of interesting for people just because what happens for most people is they get overwhelmed and confused because they don't have the pieces together they they like seek this simplistic answer and there just isn't a simplistic answer. And so, and by the way, you know, I think we have something like nine or ten people on the call right now. If you guys have any questions, you know, shoot them out and and I'll get to it because I'm probably going to be, you know, done here pretty soon. Um, so once I had reached my goal and at at that point you know, I was kind of doing basically what the wave method is, right? Where I would take, you know, a three-month period, normalize, then have an eight-week cut period and probably did that for almost two years. And, you know, early on, you know, I was able to lose, you know, go from 230 to 215 and then 215 to 200. And then, you know, after a while, you know, you don't get those fifteen pound losses without like kind of extremes and and the one thing that I remember most when people ask me like well you know what would you have done differently I think the thing that I would have done differently would have been I'd have done it a lot slower and um, if you asked me that now I would say I would do that a lot slower with more volume because I think you can stabilize your weight a lot more with more volume. I mean, once you know that in a cut, you are at a higher number that you can kind of play with that a little bit. Now all of a sudden you realize Holy cow, I can be at a thousand calorie deficit, you know, and burning 3,500 calories. Like I'm looking at my Fitbit right now, I mean, which makes for a great podcast, I know. But, you know, I'm at like 17,000 steps and my calorie burn is right at 3,300 and it's 720 at night, right? So I'm going to land at about 3,700 calories. I could eat, you know, 2500 calories and be at a 1200 calorie deficit today and it's fairly easy to adhere to a diet where you can eat 2500-2700 calories where you start to struggle with dieting you know is when you're always looking lower and you have to try and figure out the answers at 1200 calories the answers are a lot harder at 1200 calories and so when I'm looking for a specific, like in in in, in you know, I am currently performance-focused fat lossing. The reason I am currently performance-focused fat lossing is because, you know, well, there's two reasons. One, the volume that I was trying to get over the last, I'd say, four months wasn't as good as I probably would have liked. I had a foot injury. Um, I had a few things that were sort of nagging me. And so my weight sort of drifted up, you know, over 180. Um, I think when it's all said and done, I'll be at 185, 190. But I want to be able to do that, you know, with more muscle and less fat. So having that... Little bit of volume. It's kind of interesting because I'm I'm sitting here looking at our new rower that we just got this week. And one of the reasons why we got it was because of this winter and just how it was so hard to get in volume. And I think that the rower is going to be a big difference. I do have an airdyne, and airdyne is good for sprints, but it's just kind of hard to just sit on an airdyne for a half hour or whatever when. You know, there's five foot of snow and it's 20 degrees below outside. And so for myself, you know, I always use kind of 13 to 15% as kind of the barometer. Now, I think that knowing how much muscle you have matters in this scenario And if you look at, you know, when I was nine percent, you know, I I had to be at 150 pounds to be nine percent. And so when you look at right now, you know, being, I mean, let's just say even, well, just for easy math, you know, 15 percent, you can definitely tell the difference is a lot more muscle, you know? And so now all of a sudden you've kind of changed your math. And even in the case of women, which I know a lot of the times women default to smaller, that muscle looks so different. And it really allows a little bit more flexibility, certainly it's going to allow more calories to be eaten. And, you know, it's sort of overdone. You know, and I know we all like the pictures of donuts and pizza and stuff like that, but that's not really what Eat to Perform is about. You know, that's the fun side of Eat to Perform. The same could be said with steak, the same could be said with, you know, chicken, you know, all these other types of things, where you're getting an appropriate amount of amino acids to rebuild, you know, the the tissue that you're tearing down in your workouts. And obviously, you you know, we have those discussions typically on Saturday, you know, in this class, we tend to talk a little bit more about fat loss. So when she's asking is it okay to focus on results what I think she's really asking is is it okay to be uncomfortable And the answer is absolutely it is okay to be uncomfortable I you know anybody following me or following me on Snapchat it's kind of seeing you know I'm having some fun with it but it's not like a joy to be cutting weight and like I said of course, you know, whenever whenever I do the podcast, there's like some Girl Scout that wants to sell cookies at 7:30 at night and rings the doorbell, um, and my dog goes crazy. But I think you'll always be in that period where you're trying to seek volume compared to a deficit. And sometimes life gets in the way and you're not able to get in enough volume. And so you have to look at creating a little bit of a deficit and that's going to be uncomfortable. What I think happens with most people, and I think this is a great discussion to have with clients because, you know, for all the coaches that are listening right now. What I think happens is somebody walks into your gym, you know, they don't typically walk in there in your gym because they want to do more sit ups. You know, they they want to see a specific result. And so when someone walks into your gym and says, I need to lose 35 pounds, I feel like the first discussion that you need to have is why or what's your timeline? You know, and when you ask them their timeline, they're like five days ago. Right, And I think as as sort of health professionals, you know, we have to help people with that side of things. And you do that by creating excitement. But, but mostly, you know, they're going to see a much better result. Like, for instance, in, in, in the case of myself, you know, I, I mean, I, I hate to – somebody could – Is probably doing the math right now but you know I'm pretty sure it's like 20 pounds more muscle right now um, than, than when I was 150 pounds and I mean it's probably easy to figure out from the percentages that I'm throwing out there but when you are sort of reaching these performance goals The idea isn't necessarily just to get as strong as you can without respect for some aesthetic goal. I think, for the most part, when somebody walks into a gym, you know, they kind of have an aesthetic goal in mind. And if we can talk to them realistically about what that aesthetic goal lo- looks like in the end, you know, we we'll set them up for a more realistic expectation. What's been kind of interesting about you know, this this last go round is, and I always think it's kind of fun because, I, you know, it's been a year since, you know, I looked at a deficit. Um, you know, even in this instance, and in most of the instances, as most of you guys know, anybody that's read, you know, our materials, um, we typically recommend like an eight to 10-week period um, and then add in a little period of adjustment to kind of normalize. That's, that's the big piece that each form brings to the table that a lot of people don't emphasize, right? And people say, well, you know, there are other you know people that, that bring it up, but they don't bring it up as often as we do. And I think when you, if you put it, you know, I've been saying this a lot lately in, in our group coaching, but if you put a gun to somebody's head, they could lose 10 pounds, right? That's not where people struggle. Where people struggle is, is keeping it off. And one of the reasons why is they don't allow for enough um, of a bounce back so their metabolism can reset. But the other the other part is that, you know, they do it so extreme. I mean, I, I love you know, Mike's, you know, minimal effective dose, right? You know, what's the least amount of interference that you can put in place that will make the most benefit? And the tendency for most people is to go as extreme as they can, like I said, low, but they don't tend to pursue the top side of things. You know, one of the ladies that I was talking to today, she had like a long history of dieting. She competed in figure, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And she started doing Eat to Perform, and she was doing it for roughly three months and got her calories back to normal. And once she started doing performance-focused fat loss, she lost an initial amount of weight and once that was in place basically her metabolism went to like zero and it just didn't work for her and so the answer for her is that you have to normalize yourself and you have to allow for more acclimation you know one of the things you know i've been talking about it a lot lately was in our discussion with lane norton is like the longer you've been dieting the longer you need to recover from dieting but what was interesting about the discussion that i had with her because she you know was at um like 28 body fat or something and i think for for her you know, as somebody that's coming from kind of a depleted way of, of eating and, and she had sort of normalized for a while, so she, she was seeing you know some some positive things, you know, PRs, things of that nature, and so so things were headed in the right direction there, but she just couldn't get over the whole, you know, I need to be X amount of pounds, right? And I said, Well, why not focus on body fat percentage later? And focus more on staying weight stable right now. And, you know, we sort of set, like, these goals. Like, one of the goals that we set for her was a 300-pound deadlift and squat at 250 pounds. You know, she's an accomplished weightlifter. Um, but those were numbers that she's going to have to work on all year long to get to. And in that process she will need to build muscle to get stronger. And so if she can stay weight stable or, you know, kind of have a window as I recall her window was something like 155 to 160, you know, really, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, average weight and height for a females 155 pounds, 55. My suspicion is that the good majority of people in that average don't have a whole lot of muscle, and most of the people listening or doing what we're talking about tend to have a little bit more muscle, so therefore they're a little bit leaner. You know, I'm basing that, you know, just on anecdote, of course, but I think that that's probably true. And so, for someone that's 28 to spend a year, you know, we know that more muscle, more food. More breaking down tissue and building up tissue is going to be favorable as it relates, as it relates to um, metabolic rate. She'll of course have to um, keep an eye on weight and allow for you know some level of flexibility there. I think that's another part of the discussion we're having about the whole results thing. There has to be some level of personal accountability. I know for myself, you know, I had said. You know, um, and I'd actually talked about it a fair amount. You know, I I just wanted to keep the scale out of the equation for myself because I didn't want it to take away from the goals that I was looking towards, which was muscle building. But you know, at one point my number was one seven. You know, like I said, I mean, I've I mean, literally, I've just explained like the whole evolution of how I've built muscle. At one point, 155 was the number. At one point, 165 was the number. At one point, 175 was the number. And now, 180 is the number. And so, right now, you know, I'll use my performance focused fat loss to get to roughly 177. And then at that point, you know, I'll add more food, more volume. And um, in that process, you know, I'll reevaluate next year and go, where am I? And then maybe next year my new number is 185, right? Um, depending on the amount of muscle. You know, I this is my first time actually having more than 150 pounds of lean mass, which is um, a pretty big accomplish for me, uh, accomplishment for me just because I think that when I started, you know, um, You know, obviously, I never lifted weights in my life, and so as I recall, it was like 125, might have been 130, Um, but I'm pretty sure it was like 125 or or low 120s. And you know, it was just, you know, my I, I didn't seek a level of understanding. I wasn't necessarily focusing on resistance training, and I was doing for a long time the low, low, low model. And it was really the the up model that has sort of helped me. And so, so I think, you know, kind of ending this discussion is that if I stepped on the scale and my weight was at 180 and my body fat percentage was between 13 and 15%, then of course I wouldn't be performance-focused fat lossing. But because it isn't. No, I've got to have that personal accountability piece, you know. I mean, it is it is kind of helpful. I mean, either form is one of these things where, you know, I don't think people like need me like super abbed up, but I think that they need me to kind of lead by example. And I always have. And, you know, um, you know, my goals aren't necessarily, you know, Eight packs. You know, I'm seeing Michael Milner, who, who looks like the dude from Southpaw right now. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. If you've ever if you've never seen Southpaw, that I mean, I've never seen an actor um, kind of transform their body the way Jake Gyllenhaal did in that movie. But the focus of of you know what we teach people is to default to action and make sure that they're keeping some level of volume in place with some level of accountability for you that might be body fat percentage or maybe it's scale weight or maybe it's you know you know a certain pair of jeans or something like that but it is kind of always interesting to me when you know people look at I do think, you know, like if I was to look at myself and go, well, I need to be 150 pounds. Well, that wouldn't be very, you know, I mean, like I just said, my my lean mass is over 150 pounds. And so that, of course, would be an unrealistic goal. I feel like a lot of people get caught in these unrealistic goals because they don't reevaluate their goals along the way. For me, you know, it will be a little uncomfortable. The idea is to have it as least uncomfortable as you can throughout the process. And we had another client that I was talking to today. And she was mentioning that, you know, it's sort of funny because eat to perform is not like real life you know when you say to someone eat the form that they need to like reduce their calories to 2200 they panic you know i'm talking about a, a female um real life you know everybody's like looking how can i eat 800 and still survive in life you know and run you know twice a day and stuff like that so so that's kind of like the juxtaposition of where we are compared to what most people teach but I think that if you're always focusing on the uncomfortable side of things that you'll struggle you know, getting to where you need to go. But allowing yourself to be a little uncomfortable, what's been sort of interesting about this whole process, you know I always whenever I go into a deficit, the one thing that I really focus on, Is making sure that I'm ready for sickness, less sleep, you know. I mean, I expect it to rain horrible stuff on myself, you know. Just because that's where most people fail, you know. What I don't think most people allow themselves is to say that is the part that I need to get through, like the starve starve yourself, you know, and lose 10 pounds. You know, we could all figure out a way to do that. The question is, how can you do that with the least amount of interference? And every time I've been able to do it, I've learned a few things and I've gotten better in the process. But so far, you know, knock on wood, um, my sleep has been phenomenal. And, you know, normally, um, during the winter months, my sleep isn't all that great. Probably probably a little bit of like seasonal affective disorder type stuff. But my sleep has been great going throughout this process. And that's made things a little bit easier. And, um, you know, I also, one of the little tricks that I've kind of figured out along the way is that if I can nap, I probably should. And that usually helps as it relates to like adherence and things of that nature, but once again, you know, we're not talking about huge, extreme deficits. You know, if anything, you know, as, as evidence from my Fitbit, you know, I'm really kind of looking the other other the uh, at the other side of things, where I'm trying to keep my burns at a reasonable level, so um, adherence to eating slightly less doesn't have to be as extreme. So, the keys that I think, you know, the takeaways would be reevaluate every single time, you know. And I think that that's what a lot of people struggle with. They don't reevaluate and they don't realize that that last hatch cycle, they gained five pounds of muscle and therefore that elusive weight goal. Has now become even more elusive because you have five more pounds of muscle and you don't want, of course, you know, atrophy in this process. And as you get older, you know, every pound of muscle that you add, you want to keep. And in that way, kind of reevaluating what your weight goals are i'm not a huge fan of weight goals in general i'm more a fan of, of body fat goals um kids kids of body fat obviously you know aren't just fat you know and aren't just eating less it's really a lot about um, you know having periods where you kind of acclimate to a normal way of eating and you know from that perspective you use your training to kind of get a specific result like for instance i mean if you were a runner you know you might you might want to have a smaller frame you might not want to have a ton of muscle but you know even in a case of a runner you know they'll often benefit from some resistance training because your know, t- running tends to be fairly catabolic and can tend to break down muscle tissue and most of those guys are going to benefit from having um maintaining certain amount of muscle mass a lot of times actually during season um, those guys will lose five to six pounds of muscle and then you know out of season they'll you know try and gain it back which you know tends to be favorable for the running overall right so I think you know the other thing that I was going to say that I was going to talk a little bit about you know, once again, you know, kind of that adherence level at the higher numbers, um, you know, is, is kind of a hallmark of the Eat to Perform. I think the other thing is that every single time I've done this, I've learned something a little bit better. You know, I've certainly struggled in the past with sleep. I think now, you know, kind of having that higher calorie point, um, sleep's not as big of an issue. Like I said, That could change and I'm ready for it. You know, I'm ready to get sick. I'm ready. You know, you have to go into any stressful period. I mean, exercise and eating less, those things are intentional stress for a specific result. Basically, you're introducing stimulus for a specific result. So normally, you know, I'll have... You know, kind of oatmeal, peanut butter, honey, that's my typical go-to breakfast. Um, You know, it's about 700 calories. Talked a little bit about, you know, it's been fairly easy to sort of get rid of that. I, I don't, you know, for instance, I had it today. So it's not like I don't ever have it. Um, but so far I've been kind of able to reach my goals and I want to make sure that, you know, going into kind of the CrossFit Open tomorrow night that I was adequately fueled. And then, of course, you know, tomorrow will be kind of a wave plus day. And then after that, um, you know, I'll be working, you know, the way that it kind of works, you know, if, if you've never done it is basically kind of my floor right now is 183.2 and so next week you know my goal will be 182.2 and so once i hit that i think i hit that number you know like tuesday um and so i've been kind of you know we'll see how you know this morning actually i think on tuesday i ended up at 183.6 this morning i was 183.2 we'll see what my my weight's like you know, um, kind of one of the things that's been, been sort of interesting is just the different effect of foods uh, because, you know, I try to get as much of my protein from whole foods. Uh, well, it sort of depends on what you consider to be whole foods, but um, so I, I, instead of the oatmeal, I've introduced Greek yogurt and I'm finding that the Greek yogurt is much more favorable than the oatmeal, that ultimately, you know, my body struggles to process the oatmeal a little bit more than it struggles to process the Greek yogurt. That's one of the lessons that, um, you know, if you look at my last performance-focused fat loss, I wasn't eating this oatmeal like that. So, you know, and part part of the idea with the oatmeal in the first place was that it was something that was going to help me Gain muscle and it did right, but now you know, kind of reevaluating my plan, you know, and certainly adding a certain amount of muscle, knowing that you know, the oatmeal is something that you know takes my body a little bit to process. I will now you know, reevaluate that piece of things. I will also realize that. Next time I have performance-focused fat loss, that, you know, my sleep doesn't necessarily need to go bad. And what I think is the ultimate takeaway is that, especially once you've done this, you know, multiple times and you've learned valuable lessons along the way, then it gets, it never gets easy, you don't like being uncomfortable, you don't like changing You know, but all the little lessons that you learn when you're not focused on the super extremes, you realize, you know, that you can see a really good result without dramatic, you know, intervention. And, you know, for myself, you know, kind of going back to my original, you know, trying to up my volume. What was interesting about talking to Tony and talking to, kind of remembering back to my old days, was just how much, you know, um, low impact stuff I was doing. You know, and, you know, you know, having the rower now, you know, introduces another element. So, I think the big takeaway for most people is that if you can't get it in volume and you have an accountability, you know, in place and you're looking at it from the standpoint of measurements or, you know, body fat percentage or something of that nature. That of course it's okay to look towards a specific result as long as you're basing it off of, you know, realistic information. Like I said, you know, if the goal is to build lean mass, you have to adjust for that lean mass rather than focusing on a weight goal. Um, But it does get easier, not because change is easier, just because I think that you change the way that your expectation going into it looks. And you realize that the hurdles that you're going to encounter natural and if you can sort of set that expectation you'll be better off as, as you know as a general rule and i will also make the case for not being too rigid about your weight you know i mean like i said. You know, I wasn't weighing myself. Most people don't weigh themselves because they want their weight. And I did have check-ins, so, you know, I was sort of aware of how things were going. But, but it, you know, it really wasn't that often. It was maybe once a month. Um, but most people don't weigh themselves because they're scared of the expectation because they constantly want the scale to go down. I was the opposite. I wanted the scale to go up. You know, I didn't want it to go up to an extreme. And, you know, obviously I had some, some, you know, expectations in place, but if you allow for some level of flexibility, not extreme, you know, you know, for female, it might be a couple pounds for a male, you know, it might be, you know, five to seven pounds, but the more you can allow that flexibility, the more likely you're going to be to reach some of your lean mass goals which may harm a little bit of your like cardio goals and things of that nature so you know certainly if you're a marathoner you would want to keep that in mind more often than not though the volume that marathoners do they don't have to worry about it you know i've really never you know encountered many marathoners that overeat their metabolism um, all that often right I mean there's just so much volume there what I what I have encountered a lot though are a lot of marathoners that have compromised their metabolism so much so that you know they need a little recovery and some resistance training obviously would help that so we haven't had a lot of questions um, but I did have Alexa mention I've seen great also gained three pounds over a 12 week training program with a 3% body fat loss. Started to eat form in the last two weeks of that, although I was very close to my TDE for the last month prior to ETP. That's a long question. Um, I did schedule a week off, then two weeks at 75% effort, then a work conference for a week, no tracking, poor volume. So now I'm freaked out and not trusting the process. I'm struggling with the deficit now because. I think I've slacked my workouts. I guess what I want to know is how long can I stay at my lower activity intake, um, which she's describing at 1,800 calories, if I'm not getting in the volume. Is that a bad thing? Is this just falling back into the eating at a big deficit? Well, the question would be, you know, what is the scale saying? What's the information that you're getting, you know, and I think somewhat it's it's kind of making activity a priority, you know, what I think the tendency for a lot of us to do is, well, I'm not weightlifting or I can't get to the gym. And it's like, well, you know, can you you know climb the stairs at your work, you know, up and down for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes? Is that a level of volume? Can you do some bodyweight exercises that that might make a difference. And, you know, that is a little bit of the discussion we're having, right? Where life sometimes hits you in the gut. And, you know, this idea that you're at an ideal body fat percentage all the time, you know, what I've seen is, and, and even in that instance, you know, I mean, Rich Froning would be a great example. Most people think that Rich Froning is like treaded, like nonstop. You know, I've definitely seen images where Rich Froning's carrying more weight. You know, he still looks great, still looks muscular, but, you know, he's okay with, you know, out of season, you know, working his way back into shape. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, interviews with him and he talks about the sacrifice that people are making. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about is, is one, either increasing your volume or two, you know, kind of keeping an eye on, I mean, I've never really seen an instance where Rich is keeping an eye on his weight. So he tends to default to the volume thing, you know, similar to what I'm talking about. But if the scale is fine, you're probably not you know doing a super amount of damage, you know, to your lean mass. And so that's fine, but you know, they kind of say gains ain't loyal. You know, you've gotta you've gotta factor that in. You've got to be able to get back as soon as possible. And I think that you know that will be a bit of the answer for you, even in the case where you're not particularly active, you know. And I know we we're sort of talking about defaulting to more, and even in defaulting to more, I mean today is a little bit of a higher calorie point for me. But normally I'm sitting around 27 to 3,000. Now in a PFFL, I will tell you that I do, I do actively try to get more than 3,000 step or uh, 3,000 calories every single day, you know. Um, because, you know, like I said earlier, that means that my deficits don't need to be as extreme. If I'm not in that scenario, obviously I'm trying to build muscle. And so even if I am at a little bit of uh, excess, you know, at some point that volume could potentially turn into lean mass in the process. So that's the argument for, you know, not being super rigid about your weight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's one of those things that you can be a little too obsessive about. I wouldn't be, you know, um, the one thing that's super liberating about this whole process, or at least it has been for me, is that once you figure out how to lose fat, you realize it doesn't have this level of control over you. Now for you or for whoever is listening, you know, your metabolism you know, might need to recover a bit, you know, and that might be kind of a longer process than you would like. Some of the conversation that I was having with the gal that I mentioned earlier was enjoy that, you know? I mean, think of all the things that, you know, you've avoided to try to get to a specific result and ultimately you know you landed in a spot where you didn't have that specific result oftentimes the answer to a problem i mean what she was talking about at that time was you know she was eating as low as a thousand calories a day and then was kind of stuck well at that point, you've got to reacclimate and you've got to kind of normalize your situation. And so what I was saying to her was whether it be six months or a year, and 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 sometimes what you have to do, I mean, as long as your weight's stable, and you know, I'm I would certainly make the case for, for this gal, if she can stay weight stable, she's probably better off trying in a year rather than 6 months because in 6 months we certainly can i mean if that's what she wants to do we'll help her in that process but as long as she's moving in a positive direction as long as calories are staying at a relatively high level and as long as her she's staying weight stable she's almost certainly gaining lean mass as long as the weights are going up, volume is going up, and of course she can check it along the way. And so I think it's somewhat kind of the timeline. I mean one of the things that, you know, when you talk about longevity of life and what true health looks like, I mean as an example in the case of this this woman, you know, we we're really talking about kind of polishing the gym, you know, um, not not you know someone that's unhealthy you know but she wants to see a specific result for her to see that specific result her body's going to have to recover what she saw when she kinda tried to rush a performance focused fat loss was that her body hadn't fully recovered for all the dieting for many many years and so unfortunately she has gotta pay a little bit of a price for that doesn't need to be you know weight gain she's weight stable you know Um, And it's just one of those times where you just kind of enjoy that process for six months to a year and then you retry it again, right? But for her to, you know, once she had seen that when she lowered her calories that she wasn't actually losing weight, it was much easier for her to just kind of pull the cord and realize, okay, I'm not ready yet. And I think that the the majority of people don't do that, and what they do is kind of what she was resorting to previous to that, where they just go lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, and that sometimes will get a bit of a result, but you get to kind of this point of diminishing returns over time, and ultimately you you can cause a lot of harm and a lot of you know that's why so many people are struggling with you know, hypothyroidism and and all these other things that are sort of diet relating type stuff. It's not that you can't eat at a deficit. Obviously, I'm describing, you know, a whole, you know, hour and two minutes on how to do that. But, you know, what we're talking about is the way that you can do that where you're not causing harm. And ultimately, you're creating a scenario for a more sustainable approach to what both health and and body aesthetics look like and so hopefully that was helpful and not too rambly i appreciate everybody being here and i appreciate alexa's question and i hope that that was kind of helpful but um i will check in with you guys later and we'll see you on saturday bye now